I want to share with you two incredible stories tonight. Um, the first story is with Rebera Baumgarten. I know I, I said I was going to continue last week the story of Rebbe Tzmeditschev. It's a longer story. And uh, Mr. Shem will say this, God willing, for next week. Tonight I want to share with you two other stories about two shluchim in Argentina. Uh, the first is about Rebera Baumgarten. Rebera Baumgarten was an emissary to Argentina for many years. And uh, he was uh, traveling across the a, a river on the I think it's called the, the La something river. I can't remember the name of the river right now. They don't have they didn't have any um, bridges across this river. Instead, they would take a ferry across the river, and uh, he was. Um, he was uh, on the ferry, and but he he wanted to be very strongly to be by the Rebbe for the Rebbe's gathering in honor of the twelfth of Tammuz, honor of Yubei Tammuz, and uh, but he couldn't be there, and so he sent a, a telegram to the Rebbe asking the Rebbe to at least have him in mind to think about. Anyways, that, those were the thoughts that were going through his mind, and he was uh, on, the, on this ferry. Honolulu, the way the ferry worked was you went with the car on the ferry, and he was in the car, and the the ferry the the uh, boat that his that his car was on capsized, and with him inside the inside the car, the car. But it came very quickly, full of water, and Rebero Honolulu started to drown. But he was miraculously able to uh, open the car door. Now, just to uh, highlight something, uh, when the story took place, the um, captain of the police in Buenos Aires said that uh, this. It's physically impossible. This river is so deep that the pressure, the water pressure on the door is so strong, it's physically impossible for anyone to push the door open. It's not possible. That's what happened. He pushed the door open, and Baruch Hashem, because he, he was able to open the door, he, uh, he was able to get out of the car. But he didn't feel that he was going to, uh, was going to live. He felt like this was, these were his last moments. And he felt that he should say his confessionary prayers. Vidui. Then he was thinking to himself, the twelfth of Thomas, the Chassidic Yontif. You don't say you don't say confessionary prayers on a Yontif. What do you do on a Yontif? You say make a fabrengen, make a Hasidic gathering. It's a joyous occasion, and by a joyous occasion you make good the resolutions. So he made three resolutions at that moment. He didn't share with anyone what those resolutions were, except for one of them. He said he made a resolution never to, as soon as what he felt then, and why his life was in danger, that he needs to make sure his, to grow his pace, never cut his pace. That was a resolution he made. And um, he made two other resolutions that he never shared with anyone. So, Baruch Hashem, he was a very devoted emissary of the Rebbe, and he felt like the Rebbe was, was there with him and that the Rebbe gave him a hand to get out of the water. That's how he felt. And Baruch Hashem, he survived. 
and he arrived in New York shortly afterwards, and he shared with the Rebbe the whole experience. And the Rebbe responded, no, were you, did someone think about you or not? In other words, the reason why he was he was he survived was because he was thought of. Someone thought about him. In other words, because the Rebbe was was thinking and davening and praying for him. That's why he Baruch Hashem uh, survived. That's the first story I wanted to share. And the second story was about another emissary to Buenos Aires, Angazunt Rabbi Tzvi Greenblatt. Rabbi Tzvi Greenblatt is still there. Angazunt Mustarak until Bias Mashiach. Um, he had a unique uh, send-off with a unique send-off when he went first to uh, to um, Argentina. The Rebbe generally, when a new emissary would go on a mission, the Rebbe would send give him lots of blessings. But Rabbi Greenblatt and his wife had a unique uh, distinction in this, in this, and that is that the Rebbe himself walked them out to their car to, that was taken to the airport. So they were going to take a plane from New York to Santiago, Chile, a stopover, and from there to, to Buenos Aires. So they had a very, it was, everyone said, said was talking about this, how the Rebbe himself walked them out and gave them unique blessings. And everyone felt that there's something unusual about this. That something, this means something. But on the other hand, they're Hasidim. And you know that whatever the Rebbe does has deep meaning and they trust and their faith that the Rebbe, whatever he's doing is, is for a deep purpose. So anyways, they go. Now, in those days, when they first set out on their mission uh, to Buenos Aires, the airplanes weren't uh, functioning the same way that they are today. And they had the following uh, sort of unofficial rule, which was, if you were on a plane and there wasn't enough room for you, you or you wanted to get on a the plane, there wasn't enough room, very simple thing to do. What do you do? You pay the manager of the of the airline, pay him some money, and he will eject from, he will not eject literally, he will take people off the plane to allow you to sit down. You pay him some money, you bribe him, and he will take off the plane anyone so that he, so that he could... Um, uh, get the money and put someone else there, and that's it. And he sends you on the next plane. This was commonplace, and that's what happened when they arrived in San Diego in Chile. That's what happened to Rabbi and Mrs. C. Greenblatt. Someone paid some money, and they ejected them. They told, told me not you have to leave the plane, and they were very scared. What do you mean we have to leave the plane? We have to go on this. What about our little suitcases? The lawyer you get your suitcases, you have to leave the plane. That's what happened. They, t- they took them off the plane. Rabbi Greenblatt and his wife were both taken off the plane, and they uh, were stuck. They had to go on next. But on the other hand, they were thinking, Rabbi gave us such unique blessings. Rabbi himself accompanied us outside of the 770. Surely this is, this is happening for a reason. What happened was, that plane that they were meant to go on, that they thought they were meant to go on, that plane, unfortunately, when it arrived in Buenos Aires, they it notified the um, it notified the uh, tower that they're unable to release the wheels of the plane. Now, usually, I don't know what happens today. I know when this happened a few years ago, a jet blue jet blue flight to I think it was to uh, to Burbank. Either way. Uh, in those days, what they did was they would, they, they would put out when the, air, when the airplane was unable to release the wheels, 
they would put out balloons on the tarmac to, to soften the airlines, the airplanes landing. But in this scenario, when the when this plane landed in in uh, Buenos Aires, because it was so, uh, they, they, because they notified the the tower uh, so shortly before the landing, there wasn't enough time to put out all the balloons. So, so because of that, the the, the plane actually set fire. And not only did the plane set fire, but there was also the gasoline in the plane itself. So unfortunately, many people in that plane were killed and were wounded because of the um, because uh, because the because the, again because the plane didn't put out the it, the the wheels and the and there was and there was no and there, there were, the balloons weren't out there. There's nothing to soften the landing. And the second story I want to share with you, and so then they understood why the Rebbe gave them such special attention. This was the you know blessing for their uh, for their trip and that they should and by them not going on that plane they they survived Baruch Hashem and they didn't have to go through that whole fire story bonus story number three story number three since tonight's episode in Hannah's uh, yard site I'm sure with you one more story I didn't prepare this story so I hope I'm not uh, I heard the story several times so I hope I'm not uh, saying any of the details incorrectly Rabbi Shimon Lazarov the Rebbe's emissary to Texas uh, had the unique privilege of helping Rebbe Tzimchana in many different things uh, when he was a young yeshiva student. And um, she uh, wanted one year, he was, I think he helped her, if I'm correctly, he helped her with Bikas Chomets, searching for Chomets or something else. And she wanted to thank him and give him a gift of some, some uh, of her, of, of, of some uh, china, a tea set, a tea set, I think, I think it was. And he refused. Why should he accept this? It's for a mitzvah. I want to give it to him. He won't accept it. And, um, but she said, like, she, I think there was some some discussion about what happened the next year. The next year, I'll be able to get 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 this from her. But what happened was was that she passed away that year. The miraculous thing is that this tea set ended up being given. Rebbe Zinachana's belongings were divided among Rebbe and and, and Rebbe apportioned various people that were that were important to her. And what ended up happening was is that my Lazarus ended up receiving this tea set as a gift anyways because of it was given to a relative of his who decided to give it to him as a gift, not, not knowing this whole story with, uh, with Rabbi Tzimchan. Hoping they didn't, hoping they didn't butcher, butcher that story. That's, that's the way I remember it. Anyways, it's a day of a, of a, of a tzaddikah is passing and the Hashem goes to a higher place and causes salvation to come to the world. So, uh, especially Sadekas like the Rebbe's mother. So, it's certainly a day of bracha and salvation for all of Israel. So, Hashem should help that we should see Bukhar of Mamish, the real Yeshua of the coming Mashiach to Kane and Bukhar of Mamish.